Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. We're going to begin. Father, thank you again for the chance you've given us to study your word, Lord. I pray that you would just, uh, right now in the quietness of our hearts, impress upon us the importance of what we're about to do. Lord, the importance of your word in our lives as, as a guiding principle, Lord, as a foundation of all that we do, as a path to salvation, Lord, I pray you would just speak very clearly through your words. Help us to hear from you, Father, just open the eyes of our hearts to seek you and to trust you and to love you more. And Father, as we pray every Sunday, I pray that through the power of the Spirit, Lord, we could be transformed more and more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his beautiful name that we pray. Amen. Take your Bibles and open to 1 Kings chapter 2. 1 Kings chapter 2. It's good to be home. I've had the opportunity over the last few weeks to be gone a little bit. I took a family vacation out west with my family for a little while to Wyoming. Beautiful, incredible experience for us. It was good to get away and, and unwind and go to Yellowstone and the Grand Tetons. And then I came back in time for Sunday a couple of weeks ago for the start of VBS. And then as soon as church was over, drove to the airport and we flew out to South Asia with our team. And I'd like to report to you that things in South Asia are just incredible. God continues to do great work there. One area of prayer I'd like you to consider and, and pray about, if you would, is the idea of persecution. I'm not going to go into any detail this morning. I'd be happy to talk to you individually about what's going on. But persecution, is specifically in the areas that we work, is increasing. Uh, there's some government things that are happening and changing, and the local believers are beginning to kind of feel the pressure a little bit. And we saw it a little bit while we were there. Had to change some of our plans because of it. And so just pray about that. Pray that those believers would continue to persevere and be strong, and that God would just continue to do great work in their lives. This is an exciting time for us. This summer, lots of things are going on. We had a team from Zambia that returned at the beginning of this week, had a phenomenal experience with all the children there in Africa in the bush working there. We have a team currently in uh, Hungary right now, three girls that we prayed for a few weeks ago. We have upcoming trips to Romania, Guatemala, New York City, Alaska, Camp Viola is in two weeks. Rockridge is coming up. The shirt I'm wearing is Rock Ridge. I've had so many people just want to say, you must really love your name. <laughs> I, mean, I do like my name, but this is the Camp Rock Ridge t-shirt, just to be clear. So that starts tomorrow morning, so you be in prayer for that, all the workers, and we're going to pray for them this morning, and then, of course, Camp Ola next week, and then Mission LaGrange, July 16th to 22nd, just a lot of stuff going on. Exciting stuff, opportunities for you to get outside the walls of the church, and that's what church is all about, right? I mean, we shouldn't just come and soak and then kind of go home and never do anything about it. We come here to be filled up, to be challenged in our walk, to be encouraged in our faith. And then the, the very idea of Scripture is that we walk outside of these doors and then we challenge other people and we encourage other people and we allow what we've learned in here to overflow into the lives of the people all around us. That's what being the church means. And that's why I love the opportunities we provided for you to really live out your faith over and over over again in our community and all around our world. But today is a special day because it's Father's Day. 
So happy Father's Day, and I want to invite all of our dads, if you are a dad this morning, would you please stand? We're not going to do oldest or youngest or (laughs) most kids, fewest kids. Just stand if you would. Let's recognize all these men for what they've done. Thank you, guys. God bless you. I know from experience, and you know from experience, that when you come home with your, with your firstborn, uh, that little baby doesn't come with an instruction manual, right? I'll never forget, I've told this story before, we, we brought Gracie home from the hospital the very first time she was in her little infant carrier, and, and of course, new parents, you'll appreciate this, I drove like 15 miles an hour all the way home, you know, because I'm scared to death, get home, take her out, put her in front of the fireplace, and I'm looking at her, and it just kind of, this ton of bricks hit me like, this is real, and what do we do now? That was kind of my question, what, what's next, right? And we've, by the grace of God, learned a little bit over the years, but sometimes it's hard to be a dad, right, dads? In the world we live in, it seems like it's difficult sometimes. The world pushes against us and challenges us in many different ways. And, and our children don't come with an instruction manual, but praise the Lord, God has given us His Word, and His Word is clear. And I believe the words of the Lord help us in understanding not only how to parent, but how to love and how to live and how to bring Him glory in all things. And so I want to take a look this morning at a passage of Scripture that I believe will help us as dads. I love this passage of Scripture because it's about King David. If you don't know anything about King David, he was the guy that killed Goliath. Remember when he was a little kid? He rose up to be the greatest king that Israel ever had. He led men into battle. He was very popular, very well known. But one of the things I really like and appreciate about David is that even though he accomplished incredible things, he was a sinful failure of a man. Liar, adulterer, murderer, on and on the list goes. And yet the Lord says in his scripture that David was a man after his own heart. And guys, I don't know about you. I'm going to speak from my personal experience. It seems like regularly I mess something up. I drop the ball, I do something I shouldn't have done, I said something or say something or act this way, or you fill in the blank, we've all kind of been there. And it brings me great comfort to know that a man like David who messed up so many times was still used by the Lord. There, there are moments when I'm just reminded, even in my utter failure as a dad sometimes, of the faithfulness of the Lord. And I praise God's name for what he has done and for what he will continue to do. So I wanted to take a look just for a few minutes this morning at a conversation between King David and his son Solomon. David's about to die. He realizes his time on this earth doesn't have, he doesn't have many days left. He calls his son in and he gives him just these nuggets of advice about how he ought to live. And so fathers this morning, as we're kind of challenged in our faith and challenged in our walk, I want to take a look at the advice of King David to his son Solomon, see what truth we can draw from it and how we can apply it to our lives to understand our calling as a father and how the Lord would have us to live. So 1 Kings chapter 2 beginning in verse 1. We have it on the screen. You can follow along as well. That's dark. Y'all may not be able to see that. That's okay. I'm going to read it out loud. When David's time to die draw near, he commanded Solomon his son saying, (laughs) now I can't see my notes. (laughs) There you go. I'm about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong. Let me read this. This is such a good passage. Let me start over. This is really good. 
Okay, verse 1. When David's time to die draw near, he commanded Solomon his son, saying, right, so the words of King David, I'm about to go the way of all the earth, right, I'm about to die. Be strong and show yourself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord your God walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, and his testimonies. And as it is written in the law of Moses that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn, verse 4, that the Lord may establish his word that he spoke concerning me, saying, if your sons pay close attention to their way, To walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart and with all their soul. You shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. Let's stop there and let's just draw out some truth. There's so many things we could say. There's so many ways we could talk about this morning. But I want to kind of begin in verse 2 with the command that David gives to his son. It's a command to Solomon. I think it's a command to fathers. I think it's a command really to, to all men. And it's this, number one, fathers... We need to be leaders. Dads, first and foremost, simply, this is kind of foundational, you need to be a leader. You need to stand up and be a leader in your home. You need to stand up and be a leader in your church. You need to stand up and be a leader at work because the world desperately needs godly men who are willing to stand up and lead. We are unfortunately very deficient in that area. Now, I love what David says here to his son because he basically says to him, Stand up, be strong, show yourself a man, right? So be a man. And I started thinking to myself, What does it mean to be a man? How would we define manhood, right? I mean, probably the simplest way to explain it would be an adult male. We kind of understand that. But there's so much more that goes with being a man. So how do we define a man? Is, is it based on a certain age? Is it based on certain physical characteristics? Is, is it based on strength? And I would say to you, if, if we're not careful, the, the world will define what it means to be a man very differently than what the Scripture says a man should be. And if we're not careful, and if we kind of find ourselves buying into the lies of the world or of society, men, we get the wrong idea of what manhood is really about. If we kind of watch the movies and then television and then whatever it might be, we kind of get this sense that we're supposed to be gruff and tough and rude and mean and take care of ourselves and, and nobody else. And really, that's kind of opposite of what Scripture teaches. And so David gives us, this, I think, just real clear indication in verse 2 to his son, right? I'm about to die. And he gives him this simple little phrase, be strong. One of the characteristics of being a man is strength, but it's not necessarily physical strength. We think about physical strength and we think about being strong. Instead, we see scripturally that there are other more important areas of strength that men need to have, that men need to display. There's a passage of scripture in 1 Corinthians, you don't have to look it up, but Paul speaks to this very idea when he's speaking to the men in this passage of Scripture in Corinth. And he says in verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 16, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, 
Act like men. Be strong. There's that word again, that phrase. So strength and manhood on some level go together. But then Paul throws this interesting kind of monkey wrench into this idea, right? We're thinking about standing up and being strong and physical and taking charge. And then Paul says in verse 14, after he says, Act like men and be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. And all of a sudden we're confused, men. <laughs> we understand strength. We understand standing up sometimes and taking charge. But doing everything we do and treating people in love sometimes is very opposite for us. So I would say to you, one of the tenets scripturally of being a man, of being a father, is to show strength in love. You need to be strong in the way you love your families, men. This is hard for us sometimes, isn't it? Because we're not good with our emotions. We're not good with expressing ourselves. And yet we're told over and over in Scripture to to love our wives and to love our children and to provide for them and take care of them. We need to be strong. We need to stand up. We need to be leaders in the way we love our families. One writer explained it like this. This is what God redeems men to be. We aren't afraid to act like men, to be courageous, to be godly examples in our home and in our community. It means standing firm in the faith when waves crash and when the beach erodes around us and around those we are called to lead, to love, and to protect Being men means building the lives of those we are responsible for on the bedrock that is Christ. But that can't happen unless our own lives are founded on Him. So so there's a sense that we get our foundation, men, on Christ. We get our foundation on His Word. And from that foundation, we draw our strength in order to love, in order to provide, in order to protect the people that are around us, our families, our wives, our children, all the people that we love, right? So we should show strength, first of all, in love. But there's another strength we need to see. There's another strength that we need to show. David talks about it. Paul talks about it. We see in various other parts of Scripture. We need to show our strength in spiritual leadership. I mean, you need to be the strong spiritual leader of your home. Now, I hope I'm not talking to you, but there are far too many families where the dad has just decided for whatever reason he's going to let mom handle the spiritual side of life. Right? I'm going to let her handle going to church. I'm going to let her handle saying the blessing if we say one. I'm going to let her handle any sort of prayer or study we do or any conversations about the Lord. I'm going to let her handle that. I'm going to take a hands-off approach. I'm not going to be involved in that. That's anti what Scripture teaches. In fact, what we see over and over again is that the men ought to be leading in the homes. The men ought to be the spiritual leaders. The men ought to lead in prayer. The men ought to lead in church attendance. The men ought to lead in talking about spiritual things. The men ought to lead in bringing up spiritual things with their family. The men ought to lead in acting Christ-like in difficult situations. I mean, you know your children are going to learn how to act based on what they see you do, right? It's very interesting to me that none of my children are growing up, and and Amy and I have noticed this a lot more. We see our character traits in our children. 
some good and some not. But our kids are watching us. Right? We can talk a lot and talking is important, but our actions and the way that we lead men are important. We need to be very aware of our spiritual leadership within the home, within the family, within the church, on all levels. But David's going to go into some more depth here, right? He's going to kind of explain this a little more. So let's continue reading. Look again at verse 1. He's speaking to his son Solomon. I'm about to go the way of all the earth, so be strong. Show yourself a man, right? Be a leader. Stand up. Be a spiritual leader. Love those around you, verse 3. And, here's a little more, keep the charge of the Lord your God. Walking in His ways, keeping His statutes, His commandments, His rules, and His testimonies as it is written in the law of Moses that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. Here's truth number two. Fathers, you should teach your children to walk in the ways of the Lord. You should teach your children to walk in the ways of the Lord. Listen to the phrases that David uses here when talking to his son. These are not passive words. These are active words. Walking in his ways. Keeping his statutes. Keeping his commands. Keeping his rules. You know, I've said this a lot of times and I'm going to continue to say it and, and, and some of you may have heard it before and if you have, I hope you're applying it. Maybe it's new to some others, but I think scripturally it's important for us at this moment to kind of stop and, and make sure we're clear on this and I, and I hope I don't offend any of you, but the truth of scripture is very clear here. It's the responsibility of the parents to train and instruct the children in the ways of the Lord. Yeah. Now let me, let me just kind of contrast that just for a second. I want to be very clear. It's not the responsibility of your kid's Sunday school teacher. Ultimately. It's not the responsibility of the deacons. It's not Philip's responsibility as our preschool children's ministry. It's not my responsibility. It's not your friend's responsibility. It's nobody's responsibility but yours. Now, all those people are important. Those people are part of the process. We involve those people as a church. We want to partner with parents and train and teach. And so all of that kind of factors into the mix. But when you get to heaven one day, the Lord's not going to blame your Sunday school teacher for not training your kid in the things of the Lord. It's just not. He's not going to say, ah, oh, Adam, you know, I know you didn't do anything at home, but don't worry about it. It's really this person's fault. <laughs> Instead, what we see all through Scripture is that, that it's the responsibility of the parents. And Dad, if you're the spiritual leader of your home, it starts with you. Kind of the spiritual tone of your household begins with you. I love what Deuteronomy 6 says and teaches, and I've read this verse so many times, I, I worry that I've read it so many times, you're tired of hearing it, I hope you're not. I hope you've challenged yourself to live it. But it's a picture to the Jewish people of how they were supposed to train and teach their children. It's called the Shema, it's recited regularly by Jewish people still today. Deuteronomy 6, beginning in verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts, right? So you should love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with your strength. But then verse 7 goes kind of to the next generation. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, 
When you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And so there's this sense here, parents, if we wanted to kind of summarize our job, if we wanted to summarize our responsibility, we should teach our children to love the Lord with all their heart, with all their soul, and with all their strength. And so one of the ways we do that is when we're sitting at home, we talk about the things of the Lord. When we're walking along the road, we talk about the things of the Lord. When we're lying down, when we're sitting up, right? We, we tie them as symbols on our hands. We bind them on our foreheads. We write them on the door frames of our houses, right? In every possible opportunity, in every possible moment, we need to be teaching and training and instructing our children in the things of the Lord. Dads, you should be intentional to find opportunities to talk to your kids about the things of the Lord. Here's kind of a, maybe a, a litmus test. You could ask yourself this question, Dad. When's the last real spiritual conversation you had with your kids? It's a good question to ask. Not, hey, get your shoes for church. I mean, that kind of counts, but not really what I'm getting at, Right? Get your shoes for church. That's more like it, right? Where'd you put your shoes? I'm saying, when's when's the last time you had a real in-depth conversation with your kid about the things of the Lord? Something simple. Going home from church today. Hey, son, what'd you learn in Sunday school? What'd you talk about in Sunday school this morning? Man, all of a sudden you've kind of entered their world. There's a chance for you now to talk about the things of the Lord. What kind of spiritual conversations are you leading, Dad? How are you drawing your kids in so they can better understand who Christ is? One of the the best ways to do it is to kind of demonstrate in your life the way that you love the Lord. Let them hear your testimony. Let let them hear what the Lord's doing in your heart. Let them hear what the Lord's doing in your personal quiet time. I don't really have a quiet time. Well, let's start one. And then you can start talking to your kids about what the Lord's saying to you as you study His Word. Dads, we're, we're great at teaching our kids things, right? We, we, we love sports, right, dads? We teach our kids how to play sports or our daughters how to play sports. Mom, we teach our kids how to sew or cook or dads how to, how to hunt. We're good at teaching our kids those things. And those things are good. We, we should teach and instruct and, and train our kids in those things. They're great. They, 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 they build character. I'm all for those kinds of things. We should teach them. But the problem is oftentimes we let those things take precedence over the things of the Lord. And these things kind of drive us and dictate the way that we live. I'm going to go ahead and offend some of you, so be ready, okay? I've got four things in my notes I want to read. When your child's ball game becomes more important to you than his relationship with Christ, you've missed your calling. When the social status of your daughter becomes more important than her faithfulness to Christ, you've missed your calling. When you're more concerned about the popularity of your children than about their walk with the Lord, you've missed your calling. When you're more concerned about whether your child makes good grades than you are about his or her growth in Christ, you've missed your calling. God calls us to something more. God calls us to something deeper. All those things are okay. Of course, grades and success, when we get all that, but when those things take priority over the Lord, dads, we've missed it somewhere along the line. We've missed it. We've bought into the lie that the world has sold us. Here's maybe the most scary thing about being a parent, being a dad. If we don't train our children, somebody else will. Did you know that? That's 
The world's very interested in getting the attention of our kids, whether it's through TV or movies or internet or social media or you kind of fill in the blank, right? We need to do everything we can to draw the attention of our kids, to bring them in, to demonstrate to them how we love the Lord and how they need to follow Him in all things. Had the opportunity this last week when I was in South Asia, we finished up our trip. We were kind of heading home. We're heading to the airport to go home. And we had the chance to go to one of the believers' shops. So there's one of the guys that we work with that we're partnered with over there. And his father owns some woodworking shops. And so they took us to the little shop first and showed us all the things that he created. And then they were beautiful. I mean, it just blew my mind the intricacy of some of these designs and how beautiful they were. And he said, we're going to take you to the workshop now and kind of let you see where it all happens. And so we walked into this workshop, and it's maybe the size of this area, the platform right here, really small. And there's three guys in there working, and one guy's got the lathe, you know, that spins real fast, and he's kind of whittling away at a log. That's kind of what he starts with. And he takes that thing off and gives it to the next guy, and he whittles it some more. And then the final guy is just kind of sitting on a, uh, he's sitting on a pillow. He's got a lot of hand carving material, and he's got a couple of Dremel-type devices, and he's just carving this stuff by hand. It's amazing to me because the the beauty and the intricacy of these pieces, and he pulls out this one piece, and it's probably this tall and maybe this big around, and it's got animals and trees and scenery, and you can like see down into it, so down into it there's more carving, and you kind of look out to the other end. It's unbelievable. And he said, man, this thing won me a, a pretty significant award here for carving. I'm very proud of it. I said, how long did it take you to make this thing? He said it took about 60 hours of sitting down with this piece of wood and carving and shaping and molding. And I thought, you know what, kind of on a a much larger, maybe grander scale, it's kind of like that with our kids. We we start with this kind of hunk of uh, love that comes from the hospital, right? And they're in this car seat and we don't quite know what to do with them. And 18 or so years later, they get out on their own, right? It's becoming more and more now. So we've got about two decades the Lord gives us. Two decades to take this over here and to mold it and to shape it into something incredible. And then we kind of hand it off into the world, right? And so we whittle and we carve and we sand and we try to do what we can to mold and, and shape this child. But I'm just curious, what are we shaping that child into? What image do we have in mind when we're trying to shape this kid? What image do we have in mind when we're trying to mold this kid? Because the way we shape and the way we mold and the way we teach will affect them for the rest of their lives. Dads, God's given you this incredible opportunity to impact the life of a kid. What are you doing with it? (laughs) Now let's see how David finishes up. I love how he finishes in verse 3. So I'm going to the way of the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man. Right, Stand up and be a leader. All the things we talked about. Keep the charge of the Lord your God. Walking in his ways. Keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, and his testimonies. As it's written in the law of Moses and others. Live this way. I'm training you to live in the things of the Lord. That you may. Or so that. The end of verse 3. So that you may. The ESV uses the word prosper. So that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. Here's truth number three. Fathers, show your children that real success comes only by trusting in the Lord. Fathers, we need to demonstrate to our children that real success comes only by trusting in the Lord.
Right, dads, we're real good at getting off track here. <laughs> we're, we're, we're real good at kind of having our idea of success and what we think ought to happen and this is what's right and this is what's good and we've kind of got this idea of what uh, success looks like in life and, and what it means to prosper. And so we kind of begin to walk down this path and if we're not careful, we begin to step away from the teaching of God's Word. And we think more and bigger and better and more power and more clout and bank account. And those are the things sometimes that fill our minds, dads, right, if we're not careful. David says, be very careful, Solomon. If you want to prosper, you do it by trusting the Lord. If you want to have success, you do it by walking in His ways, keeping His statutes, keeping His commands, keeping His rules. See, I just wonder how many people have found success in the world at the expense of their souls. Probably a long list. And yet Mark chapter 8 verse 36. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? You know, I'm reminded of the, of the people of Israel as they failed the Lord and were sinful and wandered through the desert for 40 years. You know the story. And yet even in their sinfulness, even in their failure, even in their mistakes and turning from the Lord, He was always faithful to provide. Did you know that? Manna from heaven, water from the rock. Right? There's so many instances in the Old Testament where the Lord provided and gave protection and victory in battle. Over and over again we see that the Lord provided and it was only by trusting in the Lord that these people prospered. We, we go to these other countries. Many of you have been overseas and have had the opportunity to do ministry in different places. And even here in LaGrange, in, in kind of difficult places. And sometimes it's easy for us to look at people that don't have the same sorts of things we have. And almost, if we're not careful, find pity on those people. I'm just, I wish they had more. I wish they had better stuff. And, and, and that is warranted sometimes. And we want to pray for those kinds of things for our people. But sometimes I think we fall in this trap of thinking that because we've got so much stuff that maybe we're so much more richly blessed than the rest of the world. And I would agree that the things we have been given are a blessing. But this is what's important. If we allow those things to take priority over the things of the Lord, they cease to become a blessing and they become a curse for us instead. Right, I don't need the Lord. I've got plenty of money in my checking account. Right, I don't need to be healed because I've got a doctor. It's amazing to me. We're, we're sitting in a room with these South Asian believers, and I do this every time I go. We're sitting in a room with these guys, and I said to them, I said, how many of you men came to the Lord through a supernatural healing? Either you or a very close loved one. Half the room. And they start telling stories of sickness, of disease, of this, of that. They, they get healed and they come to Christ, right? Why do we need to get healed? We got doctors. <laughs> right? And let me speak for me because I can't speak for you. Oftentimes when my kid gets sick, the first thing in my mind is let's get him to a doctor. And then at some point in the process, I pray for them. For those believers, they don't have a chance oftentimes to go to the doctor. They don't have the money to buy the medicines. So the only chance they have is to pray. And so they go to their local priest, a different religion. Nothing happens. They go to another priest. Nothing happens. They go to another priest and nothing happens. Over and over and over until finally a believer comes on the scene and says, listen, would you go with me to my church and we'll pray for you. They go with them to a local Christian fellowship. Those believers pray for that brother or sister and they're healed and they come to know Christ through that supernatural healing. 
It's amazing how oftentimes we just short-circuit the work of the Lord because of our blessings. Dads, we better be teaching our kids that real prosperity comes only in the Lord. We better be teaching our kids that success is found only in walking in His ways. One writer said it like this. He said, the tragedy in many homes today is that children grow up to be successful, but not in the things that matter most. With great investment from their parents, they learn to behave well, collect numerous trophies, land nice scholarships to great colleges, and secure rewarding jobs, but they don't have a discernible heart for God. One overarching purpose should drive your leadership as a father. It's molding your children's heart for the gospel. That's our calling. And I got a feeling, dads, when we get to heaven, one of the first things the Lord's going to ask us is how we led our families. Are we leading them well? Are we teaching them to walk in the ways of the Lord? Are we showing them that success comes only when we trust Christ in all things? Or are we following the lies of the world? Dad, you may be sitting there this morning thinking, man, I've just blown it. Golly. Adam, I see it in Scripture now. I've never really thought about it. I've wasted these years. I wish I could go back and redo it. You can't. But the beautiful thing is God gives grace. And from this moment forward, you can live your life for His honor, for His glory, and allow Him to do great things in your life for the sake of His kingdom and for the sake of your family. That's how we all live. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. It's always very clear and challenging and compelling, Lord. And as a dad, I'm just reminded this morning and convicted this morning of how we need to live, Father. I pray that we'd be leaders in our homes. We'd stand up and be strong in the way we love and the way we lead. Father, I pray we we teach our children and lead our wives to walk in the ways of the Lord. And I pray, Father, that we would see true success and prosperity only through the lens of Scripture. Give us the ability, Father, to trust you more, to live as godly men in our homes. And then as we do that, Father, strengthen us, encourage us to do more, and may you receive honor and glory in everything that we say and do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. You've been given this truth from God's Word. Now you've got to respond to it. You can pray. You can be silent. You can come down front. The altar is open. But this is a chance for you to respond to the teachings of God's Word. You come as we sing together. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.